Tomorrow night, Jews will celebrate the anniversary of receiving Torah in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. We will relive the Torah's story of God's promise to Israel and our arduous physical and spiritual journey from Bamidbar, the wilderness, toward the promised land. We will celebrate the centrality of Torah that is the shared gift that connects all Jews to each other. As many of you know, I led an Emmanuel women's trip to Israel one month ago. Our group was part of a historic moment in which women read from a full-size Torah scroll on the women's side of the Kotel. That thrilling event received a lot of media coverage and I spoke about it here when I returned. But there was more to that trip and to my other recent trips to Israel and to the Middle East. As we simultaneously celebrate Torah and the eternal promise of a promised land, I would like to share a few Israel musings with you and an aha moment I had as a result of these recent trips. First musing, while we were in Israel a month ago, the country turned 67 years old. The United States turned 67 in 1843. We Americans like to think that as a country, we have come a long way since 1843. Second musing, American Jews have a complex relationship with Israel. We don't vote in elections, serve in the Israeli military, or live day in and day out in a country where a number of neighbors unapologetically work toward the eradication of the Jewish state. So we are limited in the degree to which we can tell Israelis who we would prefer to have as the head of their government, and how we believe they should solve the Middle East crisis for once and for all. Yet Israel is our spiritual center. It is our promised land. It is the direction in which we turn. We don't live there, but for so many of us, Israel lives in our hearts. I've lost count of the number of times I've gone to Israel for 10 days with a group. Each trip has been a deeply special experience. A number of years ago, I shifted away from leading trips that were heavy on seeing sites in favor of trips that include a few sites but are heavy on meeting interesting Jews Palestinians, Bedouin, Druze, men, women, soldiers, peace activists, members of Knesset, Reform Israeli rabbis, Israeli Reform Jews, Orthodox Jews, settlers. Just a few years ago, I had a remarkable opportunity to travel to Ramallah to meet with numerous Palestinian entrepreneurs. That trip 
shook up all of my preconceived notions of life on the West Bank, even as I realized that we only see a sliver of any place we visit briefly. Few tourists from other countries come to San Francisco to meet with members of the local police force or to tour the Tenderloin. China does not allow tourists to come to China for the purpose of documenting human rights violations. Great Britain does not want us to tour its immigration detention centers. But we go to Israel to learn how to more deeply support our much-loved promised land. And so last summer, on an APAC trip for liberal rabbis, we met member of Knesset Stav Shafir, who basically said, oh, stop worrying about the Arabs and Jews so much and focus with me on the growing economic divide in this country. We met last month with Anat Hoffman, who basically says, stop worrying about Israel's external threats and worry with me that Israel could one day be a theocracy where non-Orthodox expressions of Judaism are no longer permitted. On our Emmanuel women's trip, we met with members of a Palestinian peace collective who swear they want peace with Israel. We met with West Bank settlers in their home on the West Bank who swear they want peace with the Arabs who live in the nearby village. With any number of Israeli Jews and Palestinian Arabs wanting peace between the two peoples so new, why is peace so elusive? So here's my third musing. This was my aha moment of the past year after all those trips to Israel. It occurred last June on that trip with APAC. It's such a basic thought, I don't even want to get your hopes up. I spoke last summer of my visit with, the, with APAC to a hospital in northern Israel where Israeli doctors were saving the limbs of Syrians who were being snuck over the border by other Syrians because they know that Israeli doctors provide the best chance of saving their blown up limbs. What I saw in that hospital was truly shocking and inspiring, but that was not the aha. It was on the long bus ride back to Tel Aviv. I observed that the country that I had been visiting for so long was rooted in a deeper way than I had ever seen before. 67 years later, Israel is awash in well-planted fields, forests, agriculture, technology, high levels of education and commerce. I thought back on my visit to Ramallah with the Palestinian head of a bank and the Palestinian woman who owned a thriving Ramallah coffee shop and the charismatic Palestinian car dealership owner who explained to us if there are not eventually two states living side by side in peace and mutual recognition, his business and the entire Palestinian economy will collapse. On that bus to Tel Aviv, 
as mile after mile of lushly settled Israeli land rolled by me, I realized that those Palestinians and some Israeli Jews we met are the exception. My aha was that too many Palestinians believe that in time, the Jewish state will disappear. And too many Israeli Jews believe that in time, the Palestinians' national desires will disappear. The aha is this. The Jewish state of Israel is not going away, nor will the Palestinians give up the fight for their own sovereign country. No matter how desperately each group wishes the other would disappear, that is not likely to happen. That is why it is so important for us to fight actively against the BDS movement and the pro-Palestinian anti-Israel camp that is working on all fronts to isolate Israel in hope of making the Jewish state disappear. On the other hand, the pro-Israel anti-Palestinian camp will always say that there is no one to make peace with and will seek to undermine, minimize, or deny Palestinian national aspirations. They believe in their heart of hearts that the status quo can be maintained and that the aspirations of the Palestinians for their own sovereign state can be ignored, delayed, or denied. As a pro-Israel community, we can resist both of these poles, take a pro-peace stand, and do everything we can do to bring about lasting peace between the two nations based on mutual recognition that neither people will disappear. Tomorrow night, we celebrate the anniversary of standing together at Sinai to receive Torah. We study Torah late into the night, seeking wisdom and a path upon which we can walk. We recovenant ourselves to the core values of Torah, starting with the idea that each person is created in the divine image. We revisit and remember that throughout most of the Torah, we Jews were homeless and in search of our promised land. May our Torah study on Shavuot remind us that each people ourselves and our neighbors must have a place, a permanent place, to call home. In the Torah, the road to the promised land was not easy. And we remained Bamidbar in the wilderness until we had Torah. May we and our neighbors walk the path of peace and mutual recognition Amen. We come to the concluding part of our service, and as we get ready for Alenu, I want to invite uh, Yiska Rosenfeld to come forward and join me here on the Bima. 
He's been one of the teachers in our Taubert Yisod program. And for two years, our Yisod students have come to study with her and Rabbi Jane 